We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast it is your saturday crew but our saturday crew has changed there's been a big change in the Packaday Podcast world. I am Jason Perrone of the Packaday Podcast, Game On Wisconsin, and the Quick Slants Podcast. Of course, with me as usual is Paul Brettel of Cheesehead TV, Dairyland Express, and the Packers Unrestricted Podcast. But we've had a change to our roster. Mark Eckel is now a part of the Sunday Packaday crew and joining the Saturday crew and the magnificent weather reports that we bring is Matt Fralick. Matt, welcome to the Saturday crew at the Pack-A-Day podcast. Let's go. Let's go. I appreciate you guys having me. It's it's fun to connect with other you know people that you interact with on Twitter or through Pack-A-Day or Game on Wisconsin, wherever we're out there. But it's I'm excited to break it down with you guys because I think you guys have different opinions than I do. I appreciate your opinions. I respect those opinions, whether they're in the written format, audio format, video format even. So uh, I had a good stint with Mike and Gage transitioning into the regular season now. We were doing all off-season stuff, draft coverage, but whole new regime here. And I, I, got, I got to brush up, like you guys already mentioned, on my meteorology skills. It's a big, it's a big cornerstone of this this uh, this trio here. So I'm I'm prepared and ready to dust off the books. I did actually have a one semester class in college that was a meteorology class. So hopefully I can remember some of that shit. We are going to absolutely <laughs> lean on you for that. We're going to remind you of your expertise. And we have very high expectations now. The bar is very high, Matt. So thank Excellent. you for doing that to yourself. In fact, it was funny. Before we we started recording this week, we had to get Matt up to speed and kind of mention the weather report. And I think it kind of caught you off guard at first. A little bit. We t- messaged you and you're like, who gives? Who cares about the weather? Like, let's talk some Packers football, which, by the way, that offseason content, everybody did a great job. And it was it's always cool to talk about offseason stuff. But, guys, I was getting exhausted. I'm so glad it's real. It's real Packers football we're going to talk about the Saints and the Packers game on Sunday. It's the late afternoon game. Most of the country is going to see it on national television. And a lot of unique things going on as it's a home game for the Saints, but it's not in New Orleans. 
And the Packers actually, 10 years ago this year, opened their season against the Saints at Lambeau Field as they defended their Super Bowl 45 championship. So there's a little bit of history with the Saints and the Packers in week one, but it's for real. It counts. But as we always do, we got to start with the weather report. So we go as far east as we can. We were debating whether Australia is farther west or east. We'll call it east for this, the purposes of this show. So Paul Brettel, you have an Australian weather report. The mic is yours. Yes, so I received a message from Rob Warnikin, and he is from Adelaide, South Australia, where, as we are transitioning to fall, it is the start of spring there. 24 degrees Celsius. As Rob says, that's 75 degrees Fahrenheit for us who aren't as familiar with Celsius. He says this is the best time of the year with the NFL starting, and the Australian Football League is in their finals in the playoffs. Wow. A lot of exciting stuff going on over there. That's true. They're in the other hemisphere, so it's like changing into – they're moving into their their summer, right, while we're moving into Mm -hmm. fall and winter. I know you guys are both very excited. So we had previously the East Coast – the Midwest and the West Coast. Now we got two Green Bay guys and this clown out here in Arizona noted as noted as myself. So that's going to get interesting. Well, we do have some further east weather before we get to the great Green Bay locale. I had a uh, I got a message from I don't know if it's Jack A or Jaka from Poland. So if I however I pronounce it, I hope I got one of those two right. So he is from Łódź, Poland where it is a beautiful September, sunny, 75 degrees Fahrenheit. By the way, I want to thank all of the European nations and those who chime in for converting from Celsius to Fahrenheit for me because I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll lean on Matt for that. Apparently, that meteorology class, he probably knows how to calculate that quick in his head. So <laughs> 75 degrees Fahrenheit. And he says, by the way, you guys are the best crew. And Matt, I'm going to assume that includes you already. So, wow. Big time. I mean, big reputation to live up to. I mean, best crew... I'd- Shoot, that's to be to just get you know, I guess pivoted into this. It's it's a it's a blessing for me. But yeah, it's uh, and to be honest, like the meteorology class, that it was a one hundred one course. We we didn't do the converting would have been in the the two hundred one course. So I didn't actually fully get the Fahrenheit Celsius thing. So I have to just do a little Google googling way for whatever I need that. See, Paulie's walking it back already. Yeah, <laughs> he he's walking it back already. All right, so before we get to Phoenix and the western portion of Canada, because Harry reached out as well. You are both in the Green Bay locale. I want to hear some debating going on between the two of you. I have high expectations here, so you don't have to agree on that you like or dislike the weather. But, Matt, since this is your first show with the Saturday crew, I'm going to let you kick it off. What kind of weather are we looking at in the Green Bay locale this weekend? It's it's wonderful. It's like great fall weather. For me, sometimes when the summer ends, it's a little bit depressing. But you just, you know, football starting, the weather, you still have some great, great weeks here in September and October. 70 degrees right now low wind it's the humidity's low everything's above average i do have some fall allergies but everything's pretty much down there ragweed pollen's kind of high if anyone's got those <laughs> allergies that's something to take note of but really it's like it's great it's good it's good landscaping weather good yard work weather you can get up in the morning even parlay that into the evening and it's you're not going to sweat your butt off it's it's excellent i like it it's the, the the only problem is you know the sun starts setting a little early even right now it's already damn near dark out and it's a little bit past 7 30 central time so it's decent weather but as paul and i know at the drop of a hat that can turn and i think even sunday's supposed to get a little chilly already in uh in title town so uh, right now it's good for me but it, that, that could change at any moment paul brittle right down the street have- from matt your take on the the weather this weekend and his year is uh cutting the grass on the honeydew list 
<laughs> I actually just did that before we started uh, recording this. So I got that out of the way for the weekend. But no, I can't complain about this weather, especially this summer. It just maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment, I think, as I said before, but it felt way more humid than it has been. But now it's football weather. You walk out there, there's that crispness in the air. I think all of us in, from the Midwest recognize that. That feeling even has a bit of a smell sometimes, you know, that fall air. So it just lets you know that football's right around the corner, which it is. Okay, so guys, question. One week from now, I'm going to be packing, getting ready to go on the big trek over to see you guys. Monday night, in the stands, is it going to be inappropriate to wear a jacket, or is this more of just sweatshirt weather? What do you recommend for the Monday night? I saw the temperatures are around, what, mid-50s at night? Yeah, it's... I was going to say, for me, I'd probably be comfy in a sweater, maybe a light jacket. But, I mean, you're coming from where it's, what, a buck ten every day? So if you <laughs> if you go full jacket, I will understand, Jason, and give you a pass in that department. Yeah, I will never. Uh, more layers, the better. I've, I've, in my younger years, been caught with tenor shoes and golf socks on when it's 10 degrees out, just like an, like an absolute stooge. So I will not ever hate on someone bringing extra clothes to a game. You never know what that night game, too. It can get kind of cool out and in the stands, and then people leave during halftime, and all that heat evaporates, and then you have the cold bleachers. So, no, you, you want to double that up. If I, we will, Paul and I will definitely judge you, I think, though, if you got the hand warmers in long johns. That's where we can't, <laughs> yeah. none of that. We can't do that. <laughs> well, I had to I had to promise my better half that we were, we we're going to skip a snow game this year. So we uh, opted for I, I think we're safe with the home opener. We should be OK, even though it is a night game. So that'll be exciting for sure. All right. So heading out west, it is actually only 102. It's not a buck ten. We didn't really get the buck ten heat this summer because there was a lot of rain. So it's a, it's a buck two in the Phoenix area, but as I like to remind everybody, actually, we do get up to 106, 108. Yeah, I mean, Matt, if you haven't been to Phoenix before, it doesn't really cool off here out of, we don't get out of the triple digits until like mid-October during the day. And then like, no, so November, and then it starts to cool off mid-day. The nighttime starts to get nice in October, but we still have those high temps during the day. It's kind of crazy, but still plenty hot. And then out here, I'm two hours behind, uh, three hours behind the the east coast so for me that game starts at 125 so and the early games start at 10 o'clock if it's a noon start it's a 10 o'clock start here so we get our football fix and then we have the whole rest of the afternoon and evening to kind of tinker with so that's the weather here in phoenix and then to round it off harry from kamloops gosh canada which is way west now i'm blanking on where exactly that is he and i've been chatting back and forth but they're having nice weather there, high of 77 degrees in western Canada. The days are starting to shorten up there, too, so that's what's going to make it cool. So, all right, enough of that. It won't take us this long in the future. We had to indoctrinate Matt into that whole piece right there. So the injury report is going to be the Saturday crew's responsibility once again for both the Packers and the Saints in this matchup. So, guys, let's jump right into that. We've got on the Packers' side of things... We knew about Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith was on the injury report most of this week. So he is listed as questionable. He was limited Wednesday and Thursday, did not practice on Friday. That is a back issue. Tyler Lancaster also listed as questionable. He did practice all three days in limited fashion. So those two are questionable. Vernon Scott has been ruled out, didn't practice at all. He's got the hamstring. Then Mercedes Lewis and Preston Smith were both on the injury report. It looks like they're both set to go. Mercedes Lewis not injury-related. 
did practice in full on Friday. I think we'll probably see him get limited practice throughout the, the year as veterans of his stature do. And then Preston Smith had a head situation, didn't practice on Thursday, but he was a full go on Friday. So he should be good to go. So obviously, guys, the low-hanging fruit in that conversation is Zadarius Smith. And if he can or can't go, we were talking a little bit before we started the big thing about Zadarius is he doesn't miss time. He's just he plays through a lot of things. I remember that Dallas game in 2019 where it seemed like every other play he was getting hurt coming out of the game and then two snaps later he was back in and he just he's a gamer. He just shows up, he shows up to play. So if he's not able to go, it's significant. We knew that he had this this kind of lingering issue through training camp. So obviously, dumb question to say how significant is it for Zadarius Smith not to be in there, but Matt we'll start with you. So we talked about Rashawn Gary, it's year three. He's going to make a big jump. Preston Smith's a full go. The pass rush obviously going to be very important. You're going to need that against a good offensive line that the Saints have. And if you can rattle this quarterback that is Jameis Winston, the Packers' chances of winning and winning big get exponentially larger. So your take on Zadarius Smith and his availability for Sunday. I mean, you kind of started off, Jason. He's he's a warrior, right? He hasn't missed a game since 2017. He's battled through multiple injuries. You referenced one versus the Cowboys but you know, maybe limited snaps, but he, he's played in all 16 games since 2018. Um, I think specifically they're going to need him too because this is a really good offensive line for the Saints. I would consider him a top five offensive line, really bookend by some r- exceptional uh, tackles with Ramchick. Shout out Steven Spoint, my hometown, and uh, Taron Armstead. And they're going to need them. They're going to need him in a rotation. I think everyone's expectations for Rayshon Gary are super, super high. But you're not going to see that production that we really, really want in Week One. He's still getting that rotation. They need that rotation to keep Preston Z and Gary fresh. You know, there's a fourth you can mix in there, whoever that may be. But I think it's huge. And, and Paul mentioned this earlier before we even started recording. It, it, back injuries are, are suspect. It's not like it's a, you know. You know, a, an ankle injury or a hip injury or something. I guess those are significant too. But a back injury, man, those those it's like a neck. Like there's, you never really know what what those are because they can they can start minor and get into this huge lingering problem, and we could see them you know, questionable one week, playing the next week, then doubtful for the third game. Like it's it's one of those situations where I think they're being pretty cautious. It's I am optimistic based off of him being limited in practice on Wednesday, Thursday and getting a, a DNP on Friday. So there he was doing some stuff. I think most of that wasn't really with the team as more individual drills. But I, th- I hope he plays most of the game on Sunday. It would really suck if he didn't play at all. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I definitely do think, though, like the game you mentioned versus the Cowboys, it could be one of those things where you see him playing on first down and then second and third down, just kind of catching his breath or, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to get the wind back in his sails if he's got that, that pain in that lower back because those can be debilitating. And when you're leaning over and he's maybe having his hands in the dirt and trying to bend around the edge, I mean, that's, that's an impactful thing if he's getting pushed down by those really stud tackles for the Saints. Yeah, Rashawn, Gary, if he wants to ratchet up and start in week one, I would have no no issue with that at all. But it, like you said, Matt, I think you made a good point. The word rotation is important there to make sure everybody stays fresh. Paul, as far as the depth chart, if Zadarius isn't able to go much, obviously we hope the Packers offense can carry it and get a big lead and that it's really not a big deal if he's in there as much. But what are your what are your thoughts on what that depth chart could look like if they have to dig into the bottom of it? 
I mean, we're going to see a lot of Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, and then it's going to come down to, and maybe we see both Jonathan Garvin and Chauncey Rivers. They're going to have to take some snaps out there as well because, you know, Smith and Gary, Preston Smith and Gary are going to see a bulk of them, but they, the two of them can't play the entire game. They're going to need breathers. So it's going to be on Garvin. It's going to be on Chauncey Rivers to try to step up and fill in in those limited roles that they do play if Zadarius can't go. And, I mean, the name of the game in football is pressuring the quarterback. And if they can pressure Jameis Winston, it's a good chance that the Packers are going to have a, at least a, a one opportunity, potentially more, at a turnover. And as we've seen, that can obviously change games drastically. One big difference in this Packers defense between 2019 and 2020 was the uh, overall drop in pressure that they created. We saw last year, uh, the offenses had a little bit more success. The, ge- the Packers generated fewer turnovers. There's a huge trickle down effect if you can't get after the quarterback. And for a Saints team, we'll get into it, that has, you know, they're lacking in the receiver department. If you allow uh, Jameis Winston to get comfortable back there, those quick, easy passes to Alvin Kamara are going to be there for him to take. There's just a a big trickle-down effect that can obviously really affect this game if Zadarius cannot go. And in regards to his back, I mean, my Brewer fans out there know Ryan Braun had the battle of the lower back injuries. Christian Yelich is this year. When they pop up, they pop up. It seems like they can almost come out of nowhere. And so if, as Matt LaFleur said, the NFL season, every game's important, but it is a marathon. So if they can try to nip this back injury in the butt right away by if that requires Darius not to play, then that's what you have to do. So hopefully, you know, you're not pushing it and maybe he plays a little this week, but then he misses two weeks and then he's back. And then maybe, you know what I mean? Just... It's better just to play it safe, and that's typically what the Green Bay Packers do when it comes to injuries, but try to take care of this as swiftly, as quickly as possible, and that's obviously what they've done during training camp. I think he was only at one practice, but I mean, obviously it goes without saying, but if he's not in the lineup, it's going to be a, a huge void, and it's going to Rashawn Gary is going to need to show that, hey, I'm taking that year three step forward, and Preston Smith is absolutely going to have to show that I'm ready to bounce back in 2021. I think Rashawn stepped up a couple times this past season, and I'm forgetting which game in particular. I think it might have been the end of the Jacksonville game because the Packers never ran yep. away in that one. But I think he kind of stepped up and mm-hmm. was like, you know what, F this. We're better. We're the better team. Like, let's go. And he made a couple big plays to kind of help close that game out. So I don't know if it's over-projecting right now. That's why we do this show is so we can argue, debate, discuss. But Chauncey Rivers, do either of you get – Matt, I'll start with you. Do, you. do you get that Chris Barnes vibe where it's potentially – you know, he could – get himself more snaps. Obviously you're not going to take snaps away from a healthy Zadarius Smith and Rashad Gary and Preston Smith, but do you, do you see that potential with, with him where he could end up being a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere. And now all of a sudden they've got this really healthy four guy rotation up front. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Like I, when they signed Chauncey rivers from the Ravens, I was like, eh, just another camp body. Right. I did not expect him to make the final 53. And like he did. And they obviously saw something in him and maybe the, Randy Ramsey injury had something to do with that, but he's, he's bought himself a spot on that outside edge. And I think there's, you know, again, they needed someone to fill in there. I think Jonathan Garvin's a good player, super young talent, young raw prospect. Maybe he'll get some opportunities this week, but they definitely saw something in rivers. And I think he has a potential to, to break out. And I like the comparison to Chris Barnes. Cause that was a guy again, where they were looking for someone to fill in. They really had, you know, a couple bodies here with it, with it being Kamal Martin, Ty Summers, 
uh, Bolton and like they were able to piecemeal that together. Uh, but now you have a linebacking or outside linebacking group that has some really, really top heavy talent where you don't really need Rivers to do all that much. But this might be a game where he can get highlighted. And I think the same can be said for Jonathan Garvin. As I said, he's he's a really, really talented, super young guy, but he definitely has some you know bending capabilities and be able to speed rusher on the edge that could be highlighted in this game if they're trying to get after Jameis Winston, as Paul mentioned. You get after Jameis. I think he's going to get the ball away. I don't care if he's oh, got 2020 sure. vision now yeah. or whatever he's got with his LASIK. I don't think it matters. <laughs> I think he's still going to try to give it up because he's going to have to do that. Like, they don't have anyone to get the damn ball to. They have Alvin Kamara, 41. That's it. After that, like, they have nothing. They have. He's going to try to force some plays because I think that's just in his nature. So whoever's coming off the edge... As long as they're fresh, and I think they're going to be, they're going to want to do that, especially with the humidity and the heat. You're going to need to keep these guys fresh and, and rotating. In week one, that's always a big factor, no matter what. There's been games in Lambeau when it's a warm, you know, September oh, yeah. day and humid week one where guys, yeah, and it's just like it, it's going to. I think, I personally, I think you're going to see more of Garvin out there. But if you see more Rivers, I think it just is a credit to what they've seen from him since they brought him over from the Ravens. They just said Barnes was not supposed to be that dude, and all of a sudden he worked his way in there too. So, Paul, uh, is it hyperbole with Rivers? Obviously, we're talking about a guy that's low on the depth chart here. But I do think for a Super Bowl team, one of the keys is that the 53rd guy matters, has to matter. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, every one of those 53 guys matters. And I'm not saying that Chauncey Rivers is guy 53. It's actually Jake Hansen, if you ask me. But... As far as him being down on the depth chart and, and you know, are you as high on him as, as maybe we are? Or do you see some of that potential to, that, to flash? He, I mean, he flashed all training camp since he set foot in Green Bay. It seemed like he made a player to every practice. Uh, with that said, if, assuming the Smiths and Gary are fully healthy, there's going to be a fourth edge rusher on the field, whether that's Garvin or Rivers. I just don't think that there's going to be enough opportunity there for him. Over the course of the season, obviously, this is if everyone's healthy to make a significant impact, not to saying that he can't in the future or that in his limited capacity can't come up with a big play here or there. I just don't think there's going to be enough chances for him. If we look at Chris Barnes, at, you know, at the linebacker position, that was pretty, pretty wide open last year, or at least the second you know spot next to Christian Kirks he was. So I just don't think the opportunity is going to be there. One thing with the edge rushers that I will be watching and I'm very, very curious about, and again, this is assuming Zedarius is healthy, playing the full snap load, is the snap count breakdown between Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Because last year, even though Gary was outperforming Smith, it was pretty much 60-40-ish or so, 60% of the snaps Preston, 40% Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary looks like a breakout player. They're going to need all three of those guys, both Preston and Gary, to perform well for this team to reach its potential, obviously. But I'm curious to see, is it 50-50 this year? Does Rashawn Gary go 60-40 and Preston's a 40? I'm just very curious to see what that snap count breakdown between those two ends up looking like. Well, I think on that topic, too, we also have a convenient (laughs) X factor in that it's a new defensive coordinator. It's Joe Barry versus Mike Pettin. And I think Pettin kind of crossed over from – McCarthy to Lafleur, and it was a little bit of that mentality of like you slowly work the guy in and you earn those snaps and your veterans play and so press 60-40 when Rashawn might be garner some more opportunities so I don't know much about Joe Barry I talked about him on the quick slants podcast edition on Thursday and said that he could be one of the big actually is one of the tipping points in the season because of how 
good this defense can be, but the leader's got to be good, and, and it's got to be good from the top down, and they made a big change at a time when they have a Super Bowl roster already. You've got a lot of really good defensive players. So as far as that goes, Paul, just a quick hit thought. Obviously, we don't know much about Barry yet, but do you think Joe Barry's approach might be different than Mike Pettin's? I honestly wouldn't be able to answer my own question because I don't know enough about him, but your take on whether that's going to impact that division of snaps. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats in another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. <laughs> That's a great question because, like you said, ultimately we don't know and we're going to find out. I do think that we are going to see a lot of the three of those guys mm-hmm. on the field together this year. Not that Mike Pettin didn't do that either. All three of them did have snaps. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of that this year. But just looking at the career trajectories of where Preston Smith has, is at right now, where Rashawn Gary's at right now, I mean, if Gary doesn't have at least the same amount – but probably more by the end of the year, just sitting where we are right now, I will be surprised. Yeah, I would have to agree. Matt, what's your take on that as far as Joe Barry and how he might divvy that up? I've honestly, I'm just, I don't know a lot about, I mean, I we've seen Joe Barry in different defenses, right? And there's been the hot take of he's been on bad defenses. He's bad, had defenses that have been really, really good with some extreme talent, like when he was on the Rams. I'm going to just, I'm sticking with right now that there's going to be some growing pains, but I think overall, I, I'm, optimistic that Joe Barry won't be so set in his ways. We saw that a lot with Dom Capers and especially Mike Pettin, where they were just very, very stuck in their box or their regimented schemes. And I'm hoping that Joe Barry isn't like that. I hope he is versatile with his schemes, whatever that is. If they're going up against a team that maybe has one playmaker like Alvin Kamara or come week nine versus the Chiefs who have playmakers across the entire field, I hope he's able to you know, reset during different drives, definitely during the halftime. So I'm hoping that's the case. But honestly, I don't know if that's in his forte. I don't know if that's in his repertoire, but I'm optimistic that's the, the type of defensive coordinator is. And I think that's a that's a big like you mentioned, Jason, that's a huge, huge asterisk towards the season as we go into it. Like, what are we going to get out of this defense? There's going to be growing pains, but how do they develop over the season? There's some young guys that need to step up. And I, I hope that's the case. But overall, I'm just like, I I have no idea, to be honest. And I don't think anyone does because he's got a different set of players and he's obviously grown in his career and he's got a new opportunity with the Green Bay Packers. So if you look at the two guys that are questionable, obviously Vernon Scott won't play. And I think his his miss is going to be that safety depth and special teams. But Tyler Lancaster questionable, Zedarius Smith questionable up front. That's where you kind of stop the run. You've mentioned Alvin Kamara a couple times. And so we also heard from Jair Alexander at the end of this week. He got up there and he used a term that I absolutely love when you're describing a defense, which is we got we have to be dogs. We need more dogs on defense. So let's talk about that because that's going to be a big, big shout out. P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker. Right. So that's (laughs) former Phoenix Sun as well, too. So get us represent both the the Suns and the Bucks. Uh, But as far as stopping him now, that's a big component of what the Packers defense is going to need to do. So those dogs are going to be needed. On Sunday, and trust with the you know good offensive line that the that the Saints have. I think the matchup of trying to stop Alvin Kamara is going to be one of the more intriguing factors in this game. Well, I still have some PTSD from last year's game, where the Packers did end up winning, but it seemed like Alvin Kamara he had that one screen pass where it just seemed like there was some vortex that was knocking Packers defenders out of the way for no reason. They just could not tackle him and get him to the ground, and those are the kind of things that worry me that can potentially wreck a game. Now, Tyler Lancaster is a rotational guy. He's not, it's, it's not the same as a Kenny Clark or a Kingsley Kiki up front, but that's one less guy to rotate in there on a very hot summer-ish day in Florida. So as far as the Camara game plan and expecting better results this year than we had last year, Paul, 
you probably wrote about this several times because you <laughs> always cover the hot topics, but what's the approach? What do the Packers need to be be ready for and aware of to have better success in limiting the that big weapon out there on Sunday? Swarm, swarm, swarm. When that man has the ball, all 11 Green Bay Packers helmets need to be headed in that direction. Looking at last year's game, he actually only carried the ball six times. He was a beast in the passing game, mm-hmm. though. And so I guess that's going to be, obviously, that can change. He was effective on the ground. I think he had like 58 yards on those six carries. But he had 14 targets in the passing game. So that's where I'm expecting him to get a bulk of his action because Sean Payton, like any of us, you want to get the ball to Alvin Kamara in space because that's where he is obviously most dangerous. And the Green Bay Packers, they need to swarm. My hope this year in the Joe Barry defense, again, this is speculation. We need to see it. But with more five-man defensive fronts, that should open up, and I think we've talked about this before, but that should open up more playmaking opportunities for the linebackers. So I'm hoping Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes, we see them more active uh, you know, against Kamara than maybe what we did last year. And just in general, the safeties, they're going to be asked to participate more as run defenders. So if Kamara's on the, you know, getting the ball in a handoff situation, Amos Savage, they're going to need to be up there making tackles. But ultimately it comes down to how well they can tackle because Alvin Kamara is, like I said, a monster in space. And Packer fans need to accept it now. He's going to rip off a big run or a big play in the passing game. He might even do two of them. You're not going to stop Alvin Kamara. He's going to get his. The key is to contain him so he just doesn't absolutely wreck this game, which he has the potential to do. And you can tackle, of course. That's the big one. You can get pressure on Jameis Winston. But Packer fans need to accept it right now. Alvin Kamara is going to make a big play or two. That's why he's Alvin Kamara. And I noticed with NFL offenses now, too, it's it's about get the ball out quick, quick passes. We saw a lot of that in the Thursday night game between Tampa and Dallas, which ended up being a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think Dallas, especially a Mike McCarthy-led team at this point, would give Tampa such a run. In fact, Dallas had a chance to win that game all the way up until the end. They just didn't get it done. But Brady, a lot of short passes. Dak, a lot of short passes. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Let them go crazy. Paul, I think you had a really good point about this: the secondary being willing tacklers. I think that offensive line, if it gets to that second level, that's where it gets tough to shed some of those blocks. So, Matt, as far as the Alvin Kamara show, are you expecting better results this time than we had last year? I hope so. (laughs) I kind of forgot about that play, but then when you mentioned it, like the force field around him or whatever you said, like that's that play was unbelievable that he had. And he he had a huge game. And I'm looking back at the stats here like, he only ran it six times. Latavius Murray ran it 12. So I don't know if they're going to try to throw it more to Alvin Kamara if they try to run it more because they don't really have a good that grid of a running game right now uh, altogether. That running back team is or that running back depth chart is rough. But mm-hmm. I think it's Kamara is just one of those special players, man. There's a few in this league. The, the Christian McCaffrey's the Tyreek Hills. There's Devonte Adams you can throw in there where you just you really can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them and slow them down. I'm I'm hoping the efficiency of that offense is skewed by the fact that Drew Brees is no longer there. Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston is that guy. Uh, there is a potential maybe for there to be some gadget type plays with Taysom Hill in there to throw off the Packers defense a little bit. They might get creative in that Sean Payton uh, offense. But other than that, I I think like Paul said, you're going to have to swarm. You're going to have to tackle. Be sure, be sure tacklers. I think that has been an issue of the Packers in the past. Maybe under the no, new Joe, Joe Barry defense, that won't be the case. But 
limit limit the snaps or excuse me limit the big plays if he does get two touchdowns three touchdowns so be it i i don't think there's that many offensive players that are dynamic enough to score for the packers or excuse me for the saints unless they do like i said throw some wrinkles in there that just completely take them off guard and they have a big play that's just kind of a, a fluke play but i think if even if even if kamar does get in the end zone two three times i still think the packers win but if you can slow down Kamara, Kamara, I think this really could end up being a, a huge, huge gap in margin for the Packers with this with his W. Well, with One the Packers, thing. what I was going to say with the Packers, obviously Aaron Rodgers wanted to drop a forty burger. If if Kamara scores twice, I think they can handle that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One thing I just wanted to add on the tackling, as we all know, practices the full contact it's very limited compared to what it used to be. It's week one. Many of the key players on the defense didn't play this preseason very well could be some rust when it comes into the tackling department. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always, I, I think week one is the, and it's been this way for probably a couple decades too, where you get a lot of squirrely matchups and situations in week one or teams up pull off upsets because it's like an extension of training camp. A lot of these starters didn't play much. And so you have to take that into consideration as well, I think. And yeah, the Packers are going to have to be sound. They're going to definitely have to be sound. One guy that actually I remember has some really good hustle when it comes to getting after the ball carrier when he gets to the second level is Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary actually does a pretty good job of hustling. I don't know about setting the edge and, and defending the run itself, but his hustle factor is really good, especially for a guy that was had some questions about whether or not he was motivated and had that desire in him when he came out and was drafted 12th overall by the Packers. So defensively, we know... Get to the quarterback. Don't let Alvin Kamara go crazy. The injuries are up front for the Packers. Not too many. It's a small list. Hopefully that doesn't grow as they play some real football and some of these starters play some more snaps. So if we turn our attention to the Saints injury report, it's really more, it was more defense on the Packers. It's it's kind of the same, a uh, little bit of a mixture, both the Saints and the, the uh, on the offense and the defense. So cornerback Ken Crawley placed on injured reserve. Red receiver Traquan Smith also placed on injured reserve, so he's got a hamstring, so that's one less weapon for Jameis Winston to throw to. All-pro cornerback at one time, Marshawn Lattimore, was on the injury report, but he is listed as he will play. He was full participant on Friday, so it looks like he is good to go. And then your two left tackles, Teron Armstead and James Hurst, were both listed on the injury report. Armstead with a back. Uh, looks like he didn't just miss practice on Friday. Should be good to go. And Hurst is listed as questionable, so... With the secondary, you know, Lattimore with the knee, he's going to play, but he's still got a knee. And this ain't no slouch offense the Green Bay Packers are going to put out there. So the obvious question is, I kind of kind of spoiler alerted my take on what I think the Packers are going to do. I think they're going to score quite a bit of points this week. But it's been talked about the Packers offense has a big chance to eat against a very young and depleted secondary. So, Matt, is that what you're focusing on? I don't want to leave Aaron Jones in the run game out but it just seems like Aaron Rodgers hasn't played any football in a while. He's probably going to want to sling it a few times on Sunday. I think so, too. You mentioned that 40-burger. I think that's that's where the expectation should be set. Now, are they going to get there? No, but it's a great goal to to strive towards. I said yesterday's on yesterday's uh, final dump episode on Game on Wisconsin, I, I think they scored 34 points. That's where I'm kind of putting that mark. I think Rodgers wants to come out and you know prove something a little bit. And the depleted secondary, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is a great player, but losing Ken Crawley, not that important. But overall, besides it, besides Lattimore and that Adams matchup, which is going to be, I think, pretty heavy, there's really not much else out there. And I think he really tries to exploit that. 
also the fact that they have Aaron Jones in this offense along with a second-year A.J. Dillon who's able to pound the rock a little bit more. Nothing away from Jamal Williams when he was here, but I think the the straight-line running that is A.J. Dillon and the healthiness or the, the quality of the tight end room right now with the versatility really makes this offense – even more dynamic in Matt LaFleur's offense with Nathaniel Hackett there too. Like I think if if they can move those pieces around, those chess pieces with the tight ends, the running backs, that's going to be huge. If you want to get to Mario Davis kind of moving side to side, I think he's a really, really great player in this league. I'm a big fan of his. But if you can get him out of the middle and be able to you know move 33 to the edge kind of a, you know, as a receiving role and then run up the middle with AJ Dillon or toss it out to Jones. I think that's huge for this offense. My expectation is 30 plus points. I would love to get to 40, 34 is kind of where I'm sitting at, but realistically, I think uh, Rogers, it just has a huge chip on his shoulder as he's mentioned. And that's, that's fine. Whether that's fictitious, fabricated, real, not real. He's pissed off and he wants to prove that he's one of the better players in this league. And he wants to show this organization that, Hey, I still got it. Ten's going to hold in clipboards and visors for as long as he wants because I'm still here with this offense and I got pieces and I, I trust this team to put up points. And I think this is a great, great team to go up against and have this opportunity for. The only thing that could be a setback is the, is the weather. And I think it's 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 crazy to think about, but it does impact the Packers when they're playing in these high, humid times. And you have you know guys that really haven't played too many snaps. We saw multiple games where 30 guys were out in the preseason. So some of them might have their lungs, not have their cardio yet, but – Overall, I think if it does get to that point, they're going to be able to, you know, if guys are getting tired, they're going to be able to rely on that run game to really push it down their throat and, you know, make that margin of victory even wider. Over under on the number of times Aaron Rodgers allows the camera to catch him drinking water after finding out that one of the reasons the Saints picked Florida as a game spot was because apparently he doesn't play well in the state of Florida, which... I guess he has what, – what would what did we come up with last week, Paul? Was it three and four in the state of Florida in his career, Aaron Rodgers? He's, it's, you know, I three, think that's what Mark said. Yeah, and I th- I aren't all those – I think all those losses are to are – to, to, actually, there's three to Tampa and one to Jacksonville back in 2008. He, he was already pissed off, like you said, Matt. Now he's coming out, like, on fire. And you got Josiah DeGuar. You mentioned that tight end room. DeGuara is, I'm looking forward to seeing if they can turn, get, you know, finally get a two-headed monster out there. Because, you know, Mercedes Lewis isn't going to be part of that. That's not going to be the role that he's going to play. So now you have a chance to have a two-headed monster. And MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, by the way, get over to Game On Wisconsin every week. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to do a show over at Game On Wisconsin. He is ready to roll. And he's another player I have big expectations for this season. I mean, he could have... An absolute monster type breakout if he's if he's on the the level that we hear Aaron Rodgers talking about and even MVS himself talking about. But that tight end room is is going to be big, and I think that's that's a place where you go when you're up against depleted secondary and defense. The tight end just seems to be that guy. But I mean, you know, they got Devontae Adams who can get open in a phone booth, and if Marshawn Lattimore is even one step slow, then Devontae is going to definitely make him pay. Paul. Aaron Rodgers versus a young Saints secondary opening day. They're wide-eyed, and Rodgers is, as Matt said, pissed off. How many points is this Packers offense primed to score? <laughs> uh, in my official prediction, I had them putting up 34. This cornerback room for the Saints, it's thin right now. We know, like you said, Lattimore is going to be on Devontae. 
they only have two other corners on the depth chart. Desmond Trufant, who he had a rough season with the Lions last year. He's not the same player he used to be. The Bears have their own cornerback issues. They cut Desmond Trufant. Uh, Bradley Roby, who the Saints just trade for from Houston, he is not playing this week. And then there's Paulson Adebo, the rookie from Stanford. I did really like him coming out, but he hasn't played in two years. He's a rookie against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, <laughs> it's a thin, thin group to say the least. Obviously, they're going to go into the game with more than three corners. Safeties, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams can play corner. Practice squad players may be elevated. Old friends, Kadar Holman and Kavari Russell are on the Saints practice squad. But, I mean, that is going to be a part of the Saints team that Rodgers, MVS, Devontae, the receivers that they have, Big Bob Tunyon, that they could potentially pick apart in that secondary. But the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers is going to have to give Rodgers time. As I said when discussing Jameis Winston earlier, it's all about protecting the quarterback and getting after the quarterback. The Packers have two rookies on long the interior. This is a Saints team that had the fourth most sacks last season. Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport at edge rusher. Uh, it's going to be crucial for that the offensive line give him time as always. And if they can, I, I don't see why Aaron Rodgers can't, and his receivers can't have a big day on Sunday against the Saints team. Back in 2014, Corey Lindsley made his first NFL start against the Seattle Seahawks. Just a small little task there for Corey Lindsley. Mm -hmm. Went on to have a great career. I have to imagine Josh Myers is going to get tested on Sunday, and they're going to see what they've got there. Also, Elton Jenkins at left tackle. It's, it's in real game action now. He's been great at left guard. How well is he going to hold up at left tackle, unless he's not going to be at left tackle? Um, I think that is a good question. The, it shows just how good Elton Jenkins is that none of us are really talking about this, that he's going to start at left tackle for the best left tackle in the game. Uh, he only has 29 career snaps there, but it's just, just, just testament to how good that he is. But one thing that I wanted to mention, both Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett mentioned this separately, separate conversations on Thursday when meeting with reporters that year three of an offense, of a new offense, is when things really start to click. Can you imagine if this offense, after what it did last year, in their words, clicked in year three? I don't know who's going to stop that if if that's what ends up being the case. That's why I said 40-burger, and then you guys both said 34. <laughs> you're both, like, going conservative under. So, Matt, Absolutely. I don't know if you're big on the gambling realm or, any, or anything like that, but maybe it's, it was that just kind of a, hey, it's week one, I got to take it easy, and then you'll, you'll open up the floodgates after that if they, if they pull it off? I dabble. I dabble in the gambling realm. Um, I, I definitely like to look at the lines and see. I think the last time I saw the total points was at, was at 58, something like that, 56. So they're expecting a lot of points. It's minus four for the Packers, but I, I, I mean that seems like an absolute slam dunk if you're betting. Like, there's no way the Packers don't win by more than four points. But I, you know, crazier things have happened. Um, I guess it's a little conservative going 34. I just think there's going to be some of those, you know, week one cobwebs. There's going to be some rust to, to chip off, and I, I can imagine with this young offensive line, that could be an issue. This defense. I guess that's not really going to affect too much of the, the offense production, but it might limit the, the turnover battle that Paul and I are predicting from Jameis. So I, I think 34, I, I, I didn't know Paul had that prediction. That's pretty awesome. Actually, we have the same the same number. I had no idea, but uh, I, I think 34 is a safe number. If they get the 40-burger, though, that's that's that would be great way to start the season and to just, just get that momentum rolling. So that's where I was going to go next is kind of go around the horn and how do we see this one playing out? 
I think the Saints' biggest chance to keep the Packers under 40 is to keep their offense on the field. Death by a thousand cuts. Kamara, 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 just three yards, four yards, five yards, long drives, eat up a bunch of clock. You know, the best defense is keeping Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. And so that's that's kind of my my thought as far as the Saints' best chance to win. Now, no slight to their talent because they still have some talented players. And we were talking before we recorded about how the Saints really haven't been in much conversation about the NFC contenders and even contending in the NFC South anymore because when you lose your All-Pro all or Hall of Fame quarterback, any franchise does, it's hard unless you're in a really unique situation like a Steve Young to – but Joe Montana, and even we we weren't even sure about Aaron Rodgers until he turned into what he was. Where you just kind of, until you see it, they take they go they go down a couple notches. So Paul, we'll start with you. How does this one play out on Sunday, and what are the what's the final score? What do you got for the numbers? Well, as I said, Alvin Kamara is going to make a big play or two, but if the Packers can't contain him, I'm not sure how. You know where the Saints production is going to come from. Michael Thomas, as we all know, is out. Traquan Smith, uh, one of their other receivers, he's out as well. So if we look at that receiver depth chart, Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and Deontay Harris all have less than 31 career targets. Then there's Ty Montgomery, Packer fans all know. And then Chris Hogan had some success in uh, New England, I believe. But again, he's at the end of his career, not the beginning. So it, this game plan should be slow Alvin Kamara. And if they can do that, like I said, I'm not sure where the Saints production points or at least a lot of those points are going to come from if they're able to do that for the Packers offense. Give Aaron Rodgers time. We'll probably see some, as Matt said, some growing pains from the, the rookies in the in the middle there. But this Packers team, they're just more talented. And while the heat is certainly something to keep our eyes on and how that affects Green Bay, not having to play in New Orleans in front of that crowd with that home field advantage, I mean, this this change in venue benefits the Packers more than what it benefits the Saints. So I have Packers 34, New Orleans 24. 34-24. All right. Matt, you already kind of teased your Packers number, so curious to see how many points you've got the Saints scoring on Sunday. It's hilarious that we didn't mention the home field potential advantage in that dome until just now like that that is a big (laughs) significant gap Uh within what i think it's a a way closer game if that if that happens so uh yeah i have packers 34 uh, saints 14 i think that's it might be a little bit low on the uh the saint side i feel a lot more confident in that prediction now than i did on thursday night with Traquan Smith being out because like Paul said, I have no idea who they're going to throw to. That's a great stat from Paul, by the way, shout out to him. Like that, that target, (laughs) that target total is ridiculous. Like how do you, there's just no way. And Jameis Winston isn't, you know, the the most confident dude out there and maybe he's made some strides, but I think I don't see that, that doing too much. Maybe, maybe they get a turnover here, there, get set them up for some better field position. But I think there's just going to be so much on Alvin Kamara's shoulders without there being really anyone else. He doesn't have Latavius Murray anymore. The running back room there is very, very minimal. Maybe Taysom Hill sneaks one in there. But I'm going to say 34-14, and I'm going to stick with that. And if, if I'm wrong and it's closer to what Paul's total, that's fine. But I think, like I said, that minus four by the Packers is crazy. So if you're a betting person, it sounds like maybe Jason is a little bit smashed. That I think that's an absolute home run. 
I think I was talking a little bit of trash, but I did talk about the 40 burger. So I've got to I got to put my money where my mouth is there. <laughs> yeah, you can't say all that and then come out with uh, 3128. No, I can't. I can't. And then Matt, just so you know, Paul comes with that kind of that kind of action with the numbers every single week. So maybe we start a healthy competition for a stat war, which would be great because that's what everybody wants. They want to know all about the numbers. And Paul definitely brings it has to with the 3,800 articles that he writes every week. So he's just, he's like Belichick. He's just got a cot right next to his laptop. He just takes a nap, <laughs> gets on there, writes an article, takes another nap, gets up, feeds his, feeds yep. the, feeds his daughter and goes on from there. So I've got it. I'm going to go 41, 24 Packers in this one, because I, I had to get him scored 40 points. Obviously it could be very wrong there, but just score more points. It really doesn't matter. But my big key to the Saints getting to 24, I'm more inclined actually to agree with you, Matt, in terms of what I think they can generate offensively if Kamara gets in the end zone twice, right? It's the special teams. I'm not saying they're going to give up a return for a score. But the Packers, until the special teams show me that they're different and better, and I am looking forward to much better results in the punting game, I'm wondering if the Saints don't benefit and score some extra points because they've got short fields. They get a big return. The tackling, Paul, you mentioned the tackling. This is one area where it can become a huge problem where you go from, it seems like there's always one or two guys that get there. They get to the the returner on a kickoff at the 15, but they dive at, a, they dive at the ankles and miss. And all of a sudden, you're giving up an extra 10 or 12 yards. That's where I think that the Saints could end up scoring a few more points. And if this game ends up closer than it should be, my guess is that special teams probably played a hand in that. But I don't, ha- I don't see it giving Green Bay enough of a problem that I think they're in danger of not winning the game. I see the Packers starting out 1-0. Packers fans travel incredibly well. You know if Aaron Rodgers, you think Aaron Rodgers is pissed off. How about Packers fans getting pissed off at... We can't afford to go to Jacksonville or it's the most expensive ticket. Listen, you could put a Green Bay Packers game in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on a on a boat and people would still travel to that game and find a way to be there in Packers gear and repping the Packers. And I think Florida is one of those destinations. It's you know, it's nice weather. If you were trying to if you were really trying to win, they should have picked Siberia. I think. I mean, if you're really <laughs> trying to find a location that's going to be prohibitive, go big, right? So Packers 41, Saints 24. It's a, it's a three for three on the Saturday Pack-A-Day podcast. If you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off here, Matt, we'll start with you. Your first Saturday run with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. Your thoughts and any final thoughts on Green Bay at New Orleans in what I call the Florida Bayou of Jacksonville. I just want to say, first of all, thanks for embracing me. And this is a great first episode, I feel like, together. So I'm looking forward to it throughout the entire season. Uh, I, I really am trying to set my expectations in the right in the right frame this year when it comes to the Packers, especially with the defense offensive line right now with Bakhtiari being on the pup list that kind of threw a wrench in my um, my optimism for a while. So I'm I'm really trying to look at some of these young players that they have, as we mentioned, those those tight ends, seeing what they can do, because the, they just have a plethora of dudes when they combine their talents in the secondary with you know, Eric Stokes, Kevin King. A lot of people hate on Kevin King. I think maybe we're prisoners of the moment or recency bias, but I think Kevin King still can be productive when healthy. Uh, but overall, I'm just I'm super excited because we weren't really sure if Aaron Rodgers was going to be back over this offseason. I kind of thought he was going to be the whole time, but it was it was that that gray area. I never expected Aaron Jones to be back in 
green and yellow. So the fact that he's back there in that offense, I think, is another absolute factor. I think he factors in at least a couple more wins through this season. So I'm just super excited. But I think I'm trying to go in and help other people are just with your expectations, maybe a little bit lower. I know the, the, the team's really, really good, but let's make sure we're getting things ironed out. We got a new center. We're missing our left tackle, which then affects the rest of the line. So and that 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 defense overall, I think, is a big thing. Special teams looked terrible in the preseason. Hopefully with our new punter, it looks a little bit better. But I'm I'm very, very excited. And I think this is a good week one test with a couple different variations there. So I'm, I'm, I'm just excited for the NFL to be back. And for God's sakes, we have full capacity stadiums. Fingers crossed thus far. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And that. You know, the big the big thing with special teams, like you said, it's it's setting the tone. It's coming out and doing things differently did last year. I mean, the other thing to add to what you said, Matt, I'll take that a step further and say, listen, they've lost the NFC championship game two years in a row. Are they ready to embrace the moment and understand that you're not going to be there every year? If they get to a third straight conference championship game, that's really against a lot of odds. You want to talk about numbers. Paul could probably pull a bunch of numbers and tell us how unlikely it is the Packers would be in a third straight NFC championship game, but you're absolutely right. We need to use these first, I'd say first four, you know, Mike McCarthy used to talk about quarters of a season. These first four games are going to tell us a lot about what, what the Packers are going to be and what they need to work on. So Paul, any final thoughts about Packers saints on Sunday before we sign off? I just wanted to quick circle back to Vernon Scott, Tyler Lancaster with Scott out. I think we can all expect Innes Gaines to get the call up from the practice squad because without Scott, there are only three safeties and we'll see what Gaines role is. It's going to be special teams and that can be on the defensive side of the ball. But if he's on special teams, keep in mind, missed tackles were an issue for him during this preseason. And Jason just alluded to missed tackles on special teams with Lancaster. I just want to highlight a point that Jason brought up earlier because it is a very good point in the heat of Jacksonville losing potentially is questionable but not having a member of the defensive line rotation not that that's going to turn the tide of the game obviously we all still think the Packers will win and I think we all had by at least double digits but just something to monitor because it's the heat it's week one uh, having that extra rotational guy is always helpful so if Lancaster can't go just something to monitor you know one thing I didn't think of too the Packers come home and they get an extra day before they have to play their next game. So these guys get heat, you know, get heat exhaustion. It's a real thing. It happens out there. They've got a little bit of extra time to recover. And the NFL also did them a solid by scheduling the Detroit Lions in week two. So can't complain <laughs> about that. But it was great run. Oh, and Paul, I guess I should give you a chance to tell us what is going on over at Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, Packers Unrestricted this week. So every Friday at Cheesehead TV, I'm doing a Final Thoughts article where it's basically just a brain dump, bullet points, boom, 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 bouncing from topic to topic on the Packers' upcoming matchup. And at Dairyland Express, some of the consistent articles that I'll have each week are my five big questions facing the Packers, X factors. I'm also working to uh, link up with a writer of their opponent for that week just to help provide us some insight, especially for these, you know, non-divisional games. I know they played the Saints last year, but an uncommon opponent just to provide us Packer fans with some added insight. So all that stuff and then just whatever pops up in addition to that. Nice. And Matt, tell the folks out there where they can find you and what's coming up for you this week outside of Packaday podcast. Yeah, uh, right now I'm working with Game on Wisconsin, getting this live party and this you know live show and just meetup going on for September 19th, as you mentioned, before the Lions game. We're really pumped for that. Everything is going 
very well thus far for the at the Green Bay Distillery. We got a live auction kind of going, some giveaway stuff. That's going to be absolutely a blast. Everyone that's coming, as Jason mentioned, pre-production, where your name takes, because we only know you from your Twitter handle. So if you want to put that on there, everyone will know you. Uh, every Friday right now for Game on Wisconsin, Brendan Jaswerski and I have a podcast coming out that's called Final Dump kind of dumping all the news from the week, getting you ready for uh, each game. Now we were doing a lot of stuff during the off season, which is a little bit more tough. It was more uh, transactional based injury based, but uh, you know, training camp nuances. So that's been an absolute blast, but you can find me on Twitter still uh, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. And please, 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 please DM me your weather predictions or your weather analysis. There because I go. obviously need to, I need to bring those to the table. So the DMS are open. Wherever, if you're in Siberia, if you're in the middle of the Atlantic, we could use those because maybe at some point the Packers will play out there too. It took half a show, Paul, but he's in. He's, he's a keeper. Yes. Absolute <laughs> Absolutely. keeper. Well, thanks everybody for riding along with the Saturday crew on the Packet A podcast. Enjoy what is left of the weekend up until the Green Bay Packers kick off the 2021 season and hopefully their quest towards another Lombardi trophy in the case. Thanks again, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Be safe as always. Go Pack Go. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com